Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. (laughs) You all are such a uh, kind group. Um, you're always so receptive and supportive. I uh, I would not covet uh, the Apostle Paul's uh, ministry. Uh, you know, he often had very hostile audiences. <laughs> when he showed up in a community, I like to think that his first stop was at the local jail because he was most likely going to end up there. He wanted to see what his lodging was going to look like. <laughs> but uh, it's a real privilege to have the opportunity to share with you all out of the Lord's Word. Uh, this has been a, a wonderful service thus far. The Lord is here in accordance with his loving promise. Um, I'm going to uh, call today uh, uh, Drinking to Your Health. It's the title today, Drinking to Your Health. Now we're not going to belly up to the bar, but uh, what we are going to do is think in terms of uh, drinking from the living water and uh, drinking of the wine of the Spirit. And um, the focus is health, your health and mine. And um, that occurs in three major divisions for this entity God created called man, whether female or male. And so we're comprised of spirit, soul, which is mind, will, and emotions in our physical body. And so um, we'll start by backing up to the last time I was with you and we talked about beginnings. That was the title. And we looked at the first and the second in the beginning in the Bible. The first being uh, Genesis 1, of course. In the beginning, God. And we looked at some wonderful things about the universe he created. Let's, oh yeah, oh wow, there it is. Yeah, that deep space field view of uh, uh, the James Webb telescope that looks back almost to the beginning of time. You're, you're looking at uh, galaxies there uh, that are about, well, they're up to about 13.4 billion light years away from Earth. And to give you some perspective, you know, the our moon quarter of about 225,000, 250,000 miles from the earth is about 1.4 light seconds from earth. So uh, when we think in terms of a distance of 13.4 billion light years, that is a number too large to grasp. And... um, one of the earliest galaxies they have uh, imaged has a redshift that puts its age at about uh, 13.4 billion years. And if we accept, at least by our current physics, that the universe is about 13.8 billion years old, then this galaxy was formed very early in the formation of the universe. Now, you may see it irreconcilable that I would stand up here in the house of God and talk to you about theoretical physics and age of things of 13.8 billion years. God created the heavens and the earth in six days and on the seventh he rested. That is absolutely true. Do not vary from that. And at the same time, do not limit God. Because God owns Time. He is not bound to or constrained by time. 
if it pleased him to do so, and I don't know this, but if it pleased him to do so, he literally created everything we see in six 24-hour periods, as Genesis clearly says that he did, because it talks about the evening and the morning being the first day and so forth. And then he could have done that mechanically in 13.8 billion years, but rolled it into six 24-hour periods, okay? And if you don't see the possibility for that, dear people of God, I would argue that your God is too small. For with God, nothing is impossible. For with God, nothing is impossible. Those were the words of Gabriel to Zacharias, who was ministering in the temple when she announced to him that his wife Elizabeth, who was barren, was going to give birth to a son, and that son would be John, the one who baptizes. And Zacharias was having a problem with this as the angel was talking to him. Now, this is really bizarre, people. See if you can grasp this. He is performing his priestly duties, and Gabriel shows up in his presence. Now understand that one picosecond before Gabriel was there, Gabriel was in the presence of God. And Zacharias has a bit of a problem believing the prophecy that, that uh, Gabriel was giving him concerning his wife Elizabeth. And that's when he made that statement to him. With God, nothing is impossible. Nothing. And they believed that word, and we had John, the one who baptizes. And then several months after that, Mary, by the power of the Holy Spirit, birthed Jesus, the Christ of God, conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Gabriel visited her as well and had a wonderful message for her. I would suggest to you, this is a, an aside, I would suggest to you that if Gabriel shows up and has something to say to you, your world is about to change. At any rate, um, so we have this magnificence that we're now able to image and look at and enjoy. And it, it speaks to the majesty of God. And, and we're beginning to realize that, oh my goodness, he is so much more than we ever thought he could be. And when we see this kind of power on display, then we realize that, my goodness, he, he doesn't care very much about all of this, though he created it in such glory. And it so testifies of his glory, but he gave exactly five words to this in the creation story. He made the stars also. <laughs> wow. He made the stars also because his focus is you. His entire vestment is in you and in me. Everything that he is about is to bring us to the point of saying yes to the question he is eternally asking of us. And the question is this, do you want to live? Do you want to live? Jesus is the living water. He is the author of life. He is God. He has been slain from the foundation of the world. I, I don't understand that, but I, I believe it and I trust it. It was not a late invention of God in the genesis of man that he decided to send Jesus. 
the first prophecy, the first messianic prophecy occurs in the creation story. Genesis 3.15, the Proto-Evangelium. This was decided in eternity past, dear ones of God. God didn't make this up as he went along. He knew at all times. Remember, he lives in the past, the present, and all of the future he has seen. I don't understand that, but I'm obligated to believe it and trust it. So we have this marvelous God who packaged himself in the flesh of a man. That man is Jesus. He is 100% God and 100% man, and he's both at the same time. But the qualifier is that he, by his own election, set aside many of his godly attributes for a period of time to pick them up later. Because how else could he say, you know, after we had witnessed all the miracles he did and everything, he, he basically said to the disciples, listen guys, you're going to do greater stuff than this because I go to the Father. Now how could he say that if it were a lie because there is no lie in him? He could say that because the source of Jesus' power among us was not him. He had set that aside for a period of time. It was out of his relationship to the Father that he drew that power. He said, I only say and do what I see the Father saying and doing. His relationship was so close to the Father that the power flowed from the Father through the Son to accomplish all the miracles that he did. So the takeaway message is, if we want to live empowered lives from the source of power, we have to be obedient to the prophetic word that Pastor Matt brought, which is get to know him. Get to know him. How much of Jesus is enough? <laughs> well, I've spent most of my life requiring very little of Jesus. And uh, I say that to my own uh, regret. There is nothing more important for your life than your relationship to Jesus Christ because that is the engine that drives everything else in your life that is worthy of your time, your attention, your your affections, your resources. It's that relationship to Jesus Christ. You know, I, I think one can argue that um, we do that which we believe. So, you know, if, if you look at any of our doing lives, <laughs> it, it's kind of a, a good barometer of what we actually believe. Um, we need to be constantly moving our doing more in the direction of that which we say we believe. Don't change the saying of your belief because we often speak prophetically in our lives, don't we? We're not always speaking from where we are, but from where we're going and where we want to be. Uh, you see this so clearly in our music that we sing. Pastor Matt, again, thank you so much for leading us in worship and the whole worship team and all of our IT people in the back. My goodness, we are very blessed. Um, we see this in the songs that we sing to the Lord. Have you ever 
thought about the lyrics or maybe just said the lyrics without music. See, see Jesus, um, Jesus tricks us. <laughs> he draws us in. Because if he can get us to sing something, because it's really kind of easy for us as believers to sing stuff to the Lord. But if you start reading the lyrics that we're singing, Jesus, you're everything to me. Oh, really, Paul? Really? Look at this and that in your life. Well, I'm either the biggest liar or I'm singing prophetically. I like to think I'm singing prophetically. We are pulling from the future into the present. Now, Satan loves for you to be a past-present person. Jesus calls us to be future-present people. Past-present works like this. How can you say that when you remember what you did to him the other day? Do you remember what you did fill in the blank? The sa Satan is always bringing up your past to you, condemning you with it, steal, kill, destroy, you know, that's his agenda. Very short agenda list he has. Jesus is future present. He wants us to live out of where we're headed and in fact already are in many dimensions and bring that into our present circumstances. I, I apologize. My notes are meaning nothing on this message, but we're going to keep going, okay? I, I think this is where we need to be. Um, so Satan wants you past present. Jesus wants you future present. The first wonderful example I see of this in Scripture is the first miracle. Cana of Galilee, the wedding feast. Jesus is invited to the wedding. His mother's there. Disciples are there. Weddings are a massive deal in the Hebrew culture, people. They go for days. They're well-lubricated events with a lot of good wine, okay? Yeah. Now, they run out of wine, okay? This is... This is societal suicide in the Hebrew culture if you run out of wine at your child's wedding. So Mary knows who her son is. She comes to Jesus and says, they have no wine. Jesus looks at her and says, what has that to do with me? My time has not come. It wasn't time yet you know, on the Father's clock for Jesus to declare himself. But this is his Emma talking to her son. He is the perfect son. Aren't you glad you weren't James, Joseph, or Judas? Why can't you be more like your older brother? I can hear Mary saying it. Anyway, let's get back on subject here. Mary hears him say that to her, but Mary reaches into the future and pulls something that is for a future time into the present because she has authority with her son as his mother. King of kings and Lord of lords, fully obedient to his earthly mother. And Mary says this to everyone around when Jesus has just said that to her. What have I to do with this? My time has not come yet. It's like she doesn't even hear that. She turns and says, whatever he says, do. Jesus is trapped. And he is not going to go against his ima. He is going to honor her as unto the Father. This is all about honor. So Mary pulls into the present something meant for the future. 
And Jesus has, says, hey, you got some big pots around here? I said, yeah, yeah, we got some pots they use for purification. And they, they hold, I think, what is it, something like 27 gallons apiece or something. And they take six pots and you do the math, the hundred and however many gallons of water. He says, fill them to the brim. Now, again, when Jesus does something, it's always excessive and over the top. He says, fill them to the brim. Okay. And they fill them. And he says, now draw from one and take it to the governor of the feast. And they do. And the governor of the feast tastes it and says, oh my goodness, wow. And this is what he says. He says, you know, most people, they bring out the good stuff first. Because when everybody's kind of well lubricated from that, then you bring out the cheap stuff and they don't know you've changed it. But you guys saved the best for last. This is top shelf stuff. And if you do the math on that, 27 gallons times six and divide that into 750 milliliter bottles the way wine is sold these days, that's a lot of wine. <laughs> and they either drank that all, the whole marriage party over the days of the feast, or a lot of it ended up getting sold to help finance the new bride and groom and they're starting off. We don't know. But I love how they kind of play that in The Chosen. You got, are you guys watching The Chosen? Oh, man, it's, it's so good. But isn't that wonderful that Mary got this right away? Right away. Future present living with God. Not past present. Almost everything that comes out of the past is Satan saying, how can you be doing that now? Do you remember? We want to grow in our confidence that um, when Jesus says that your sins are forgiven you, that he chooses by his own election to forget those sins, never to remember them again. With God, all things are possible. If he wants to forget something, he can forget it. So when Satan reminds you of something that's been brought under the blood of the Lamb, you may find it helpful to, as he reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. Anyway, I'm not sure how we got there, but I think it was needful to go. So we're talking about health today, though it doesn't look like it. But health is that absence of disease, okay? It's everything looking as it should, no disease present. The Lord gave me a verse a few weeks back. I was having my morning time with him in um, North Dakota where I was working. And he said, I want you to speak from a verse. I thought, okay, what, and before I could say what verse, he scrolled across the screen of my mind, Psalm 27, 3. Well, I'm, I'm reading through the word now in the message, uh, paraphrase, I love the message, the uh, staccato forcefulness of the language is very appealing, uh, I, I love it, um, which, here's another little aside for you. I don't care what translation you read, get one and read it, <laughs> okay? Read it, read it, read it, read it. Be in the Word. Be students of the Word. Be disciples of the Word. We have the living Word. He, he gives us the written Word, and they are one and the same. Uh, that's a great mystery. I can't explain that. But we talked about the first beginning here, and then the second beginning in the Bible is John, the first chapter. John doesn't say one thing about the birth of Jesus. This is how he opens it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Wow. Bullet points. The Word, we must, as believers in Jesus Christ, be in His Word. Every day, it needs to be our necessary food and drink more than the physical food and drink. 
One time, Jesus, uh, the disciples, they were, everybody was hungry. They had gone to, to get some food, and they came back, and, and um, they said, here's some food. He said, uh, my, my meat is to do the will, of the, Father, the will of the Father who sent me. That's my food. Now, did Jesus eat? Yes, Jesus ate. But contrary to, to many of us in America in our day and time, Jesus ate in order to, to live. He didn't live to eat. You understand the difference? Yeah, which brings us back full circle to the matter of health. Now, you, you may wonder, gee, he's not talking about diets and exercise today. He's talking about other things. Yeah, we're talking about much higher issues that pertain to health. Again, we are spirit soul, and body. There are useful things to do for our body that promote health. But we need to get our priorities straight as to what the priorities are. And so we need health of spirit and health of soul and health of body. Health of spirit is obtained by committing to this document, this love letter from God to us, learning it. Read it through, and then start reading it through again, and then start reading it through again. Explore it. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. He will. The Holy Spirit is brilliant. He knows everything. Ask him to reveal things to you. He will. He's faithful. Spend time in God's word every day. Oh my, where were we? Oh yeah, the third beginning. So we've talked briefly about the first in the beginning, the second in the beginning in John chapter 1. The third, begin, the third in the beginning is you. That's the third in the beginning of the Bible. Because you are invited, you individually, and he calls you by name because he formed you in your mother's womb. Jesus is the author of all life. If he created that, he most certainly created you because his attention is many orders of magnitude more focused on you than it is on all of that. So he knows you by name. And he invites you to come to him and receive life. To receive life. The devil's agenda, remember, is still kill, destroy. Still kill, destroy. It's all he knows to do. Now Jesus, he, he clarifies this uh, matter for us in Matthew. Let's see, where is it? Matthew 21, 44. Jesus is talking to um, the people around him. No doubt it's the religious elite. It so often was. The ones who had figured God out. Be careful if you ever think you figured God out. This is what Jesus says, and he's quoting scripture. Have you never read in the scriptures, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone this was the lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes therefore i say to you the kingdom of god will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it so though he is ministering and calling to his chosen god's chosen people the jewish nation they are by and large rejecting him and this is his response to that and then he says this and whoever falls on this stone will be broken but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. You know, there are a number of things you can take from this. This is what I take from this. We have a choice concerning Christ, but there's no neutral zone with Jesus. We are going to deal with the person of Jesus. Now, the Bible tells us in another place that the day will come when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess. I don't care how much of a reprobate concerning the claims of Christ 
you have been through the course of your life, you will bow your knee and you will proclaim with your voice that Jesus Christ is Lord. We have a choice. We have a privilege. Jesus says, if you fall on the word, this chief cornerstone, the living word, the written word, you will be broken. Broken indicates an injury from which there will be full recovery. It's the death of self and the birth of new life in you by the blood of the Lamb. If you refuse that, the time will come. I don't know when that will be for any given person, but the time will come if you stay in refusal of that unbelievably good offer. The time will come where that stone, that chief cornerstone, will crush you into powder, and there is no recovery from that. That, dear people of God, is hell. Hell was not made for humans. It was made for the devil and his angels that went with him who repudiated the majesty, glory, beauty, and love of the Father and desired to be worshipped themselves. That's what hell was built with. But if you choose the devil's camp and you never repent of that choice, that's what awaits you. God forbid. God forbid. You must understand how very easy it is to enjoy perfect health by coming to Jesus Christ. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The gospel in a nutshell. We have the privilege of having the canonized word of God in our time. Let's go back to the day of the cross, the crucifixion of Christ. What did they have of the word? They had the law, the prophets, the wisdom literature, uh, you know, Proverbs, uh, Song of Songs, those books. They had none of the New, New Testament hadn't been written. They were living the New Testament in the person of Jesus and the disciples he was training. Things were going to explode from there. But we're at the cross, okay? Jesus is being crucified. A thief is being crucified on either side of him. One of the thieves just berates Christ. And the other thief says, hey, you know, and pardon my paraphrasing here, but it does get the message across. He says, hey, hold, hold it just a minute. You know, we're up here hanging on this tree and we're going to be dead in a few hours and justly so because of what we've done. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he looks at Jesus and says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, that's not the sinner's prayer. That's not the Roman's road to salvation. He had never been in Sunday school yet. I doubt he had ever been at the temple, but we don't know. But he understood that there was a massive hole in his life and in his heart. And he knew that he was looking at the one who could fill it. How did he know that? The power of the Holy Spirit revealing it to him. That's how he knew it. Do you know you can't even come to the Lord unless the Holy Spirit draws you? The faith we have to get saved through is a gift of God. We don't generate that faith. This is all God. All we do is say, yes, yes. 
all of us who have come to Christ, and that'll be the majority of this room, praise God, we came to him on a snippet of the truth. We d did you know much about this book when you came to Christ? I didn't. I was raised in the church. I was seven years old. Did I know much about this book? No. If you wait till you know enough to get saved, that day may well never come. All you have to do is realize where you are and realize who he is and say yes to him. And, you know, we talked about this before. If, if there's a wall that goes infinity both directions, infinity both directions, I'm on this side of the wall. It's an impenetrable wall. And on the other side is God and his kingdom. And there's only one way through that wall. It's Jesus Christ. And he is... Uh, he represents, a, uh, he fills the doorway the width of a human hair through that wall. He is the only way through that wall. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It's not Buddha. It's not Muhammad. It's not a Jesus that is other than the Jesus of this word. There are many Jesuses, only one saves. It is not a Jesus who is the brother of Satan. It is not a Jesus who is less than God. God exists as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? I don't. I do not understand that. But I see so much evidence of it. And I believe it and I place my full trust and faith in it. So there's only one Jesus who saves. You must come to that Jesus. He is as near as you calling his name. He wants to save you much more, infinitely more. You know, infinity is a big word in theoretical physics, okay? Jesus loves theoretical physics. He's the master of the mathematics of physics. Albert Einstein said, I want to know the thoughts of God. Everything else is just details. God is the master of physics. He wants to save you infinitely greater. There's that word again, infinite. Infinitely greater than you want to be saved. He pursues you endlessly in order for you to finally say yes to him. Okay, let's, let's do some role playing here. I'm going to be God, okay? I'm not. You all know that. She really knows that. But I'm looking down from heaven on the earth. And let's, let's say it's uh, Susie is the person in question. Susie isn't saved yet. She hadn't said yes to Jesus. Well, here's God up in heaven saying, come on, Susie. Come on, come on, just one little step toward me. Just one little positive move toward me, Susie, come on. Oh, she did it, got you. And I will never let you go. will never let you go. Dear people of God, we must pursue relationship with Jesus. We must pursue him with at least infinitely less of his passion that he constantly pursues us with. Because it doesn't matter how little we bring to the table. 
he is overjoyed. And he will nurture it in you and grow it and grow it. And there is no end to the growth. There will be a brief interruption when we die and pass from this life. And that's all it is. It's just a shadow. And it will be gone. And he will go through death with you. And then you will be in his presence. Because for the believer to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And you will be with him forevermore. How long is forever? I have no idea. But I love the words of the rock guitarist in The Who, Pete Townsend, who said, forever's no time at all. You know, we want to look for the Lord speaking to us wherever he speaks to us. Remember, the Lord is sovereign over all. He owns everything. My wife, the Lord spoke to her and said, I want you to take your name that I gave you. Because when she came under the influence of Christ in her life, she changed her name from Rupa to Ruth, a Christian name. Because she's from a Hindu background, you know. And they give names in Hinduism by they consult the priest and they, they do some astrological things. I don't know what all, but it's not Christ-based, okay? It's paganism. And they derive the name to name their child, and her name was Rupa. And she thought, well, I'll take a Christian name to myself. So she did that, and fast forward many years later, the Lord said, I want you to take your original name back. I gave you that name. You what, Lord? But that was out of paganism. And Jesus reminded her, I am Lord of all. I am sovereign over all. I want you to take your name back. So she did. That's why you know her as Rupa again. I love it when the Lord speaks through the mechanisms of the world to us. Great and enduring truths. You may recall that wonderful contemporary theologian, Janis Joplin, who said in her song, Bobby McGee and Me, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. That is exactly the encapsulation in lyric of the life of Christ. Jesus laid it all down, gave it all up to his death on the cross so that we could get it and be saved. Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. He lost it all. For your sake and mine. So now the Father, through the obedience of the Son unto death on the cross, has highly exalted him. Name above name. King of kings. Lord of lords. He remains to this day that fusion of Jewish man and God. And he sits at the right hand of the Father in the heavenlies. And before he left us, he said, listen guys, I've got to go. I mean, that's the plan. I'm leaving you. I've enjoyed it. It's been wonderful. But I'm returning to the Father. He said, but I am not going to leave you orphans. I am sending a helper. I am sending a helper. The paraclete. One who comes alongside. He will be with you Always, and he will teach you everything about me. And his name, Holy Spirit. And every believer is a house for the Holy Spirit of God. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And we are close to finishing. We are five over.
I'm going to share one last thing with you, and we are going to go. That thing is this. My wife wrote a poem for me 10 years ago. And uh, she didn't know I was going to do this in first service because the Lord did not want me to tell her. But um, this poem is for um, all of you who haven't always gotten it right in this life. Do I, is there anyone here that hadn't always gotten it right? <laughs> Good. Man, we got some honest people in this church. Um, she gave this to me at a time of uh, significant misstep in my life. How many of you understand that um, when you don't get it right and you're in Christ, what you need to do is fail toward him? Yeah, don't, don't ever let the devil convince you that you've done too much for Jesus to love you anymore. You've sinned too greatly. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And another thing we want to cultivate in our lives is this. We want to walk in our identity. You've heard it said time and again. I, I have no idea how many times I've said it in my own Christian walk. Well, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Well, at one time you were a sinner. But by virtue of you being saved, you are a new creation. In Revelation 21, I think around verse 5 or so, God says, Behold, I make all things new. And, and in uh, another place in the scripture, I don't have it immediately at hand, but it says, We are become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, when we think of the vision of, of, of Peter at, at Cornelius' house, uh, you know, that ushered the Gentiles in under the covering of the gospel and opened the way to salvation for non-Jewish people, uh, the summation of that vision he gave Peter was, uh, Peter, don't call unclean what I have declared clean. So when you come into salvation in Jesus Christ and by the authority of his blood covering you, you are a new creation. You have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're no longer a sinner. Your nature is righteousness. Your nature is not sinner. Otherwise, if we claim that I'm still a sinner, we repudiate the blood of Christ. None of you want to be doing that. I'd never wanted to be doing that. But we fail to understand the power of the spoken word. Words we speak to others and words we speak over ourselves. So we are become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm no longer a sinner. Am I capable of committing sin? Yes, I am. <laughs> Freedom is a horrifically difficult thing to manage. We are still actively working it out in America, aren't we? And it often doesn't go very well. It is ugly business working out freedom. So God treasures freedom for us. He provides and calls us to full freedom. We can always choose. I am capable of sin, but it is not my nature. I am acting out of character when I choose sin when I'm under the covering of his blood. Let's be careful to confess those things that are true concerning ourselves and over others. So, again, 
For those of you who haven't always gotten it right, this poem is for you. The title is, You. You were once bound, but now you are free. You were once blind, but now you see. You were once naked, but now are clothed in me. You are a son of righteousness, redeemed and free. By my blood, which I willingly shed for you, I have made you mine, my child, a person brand new. My brand I have put upon your heart, sealed you to myself forever, every little part. I fully knew my child when I purchased you that day, all that was in you, all that held you in its sway. I knew every turn through your life that you would take, the way you would walk, every success, every mistake. All I could see, though, was the joy of you. So I ran for the prize, my son. It was you. I laid down my all to be all to you, picked it all up again to give it all to you. So know whose you are, my child, and who you are are in me shake off the enemy's yoke it is broken receive one from me my yoke it is easy my burden it is light my name is just a whisper away and to help you stand my might when darkness encroaches reach for the light if you cannot turn it on call for the light when you can't even call just turn toward the light Should you fall and bite the dust, crawl to me in my love, trust. Remind yourself daily, 70 times 7 if need be, that it is in the heavenlies you are seated with me. Hear my heart, speak my word, call upon me, I am here. Be neither afraid nor dismayed, take courage, do not fear. Look to me, my child. Know my goodness, my grace. Restoration and redemption you'll see in my face. So get up close and personal, child of God, brand new. And forget not for a moment that I love you. Amen. Dr. Paul, I want to thank you so much for... That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.